0: I don't know about you, but for me personally, I had not faced any major losses in my life of someone close to me. So I had absolutely no grid for what it was like to grieve any kind of a deep loss. And I know I've shared that a few times and even recently, but because of that, in that sense, I didn't have any expectations. I had no idea of what to expect or I guess at least that's what I seem to think, but on the other hand, I discovered I did have some expectations, like people giving me grace to grieve how I needed to, and maybe what that looked like, or that certain people would be there for me when I needed them, expecting people to remember dates. I even had an expectation on myself for being past the most painful part and being able to be fully functional again and do everything I was doing before. Things like that, that I did realize I did have some expectations, even though I didn't know what to expect, if that makes sense, right? Well, I want to share a few things with you today that were unexpected for me so that either you will be better prepared or maybe it will let you know that these things happen and... You are not the only one, so you don't feel quite so alone. I am a parent who took a lot of trips to the gravesite for probably a good year or more, and one day while I was there, the MedFlight helicopter flew over me. I totally lost it, and I found myself sobbing uncontrollably. Later, I wrote on Facebook about what had happened, and a friend told me that it was a sign of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I guess that made sense, since Becca had three med flight helicopter rides within the last 18 months of her life. Now, the last year and a half of Becca's life, she had around a dozen ambulance rides because of her heart issues. And so for many, many months after Becca passed, whenever I heard the sirens of an ambulance, I would freeze and I would just panic in my mind because, and my thoughts would go, where's Becca? And then of course, there was always the realization of where she was and that this siren was definitely not for her. PTSD is very common for those who've lost a child, and you did not have to be there when your child died. Seeing their body and having that image in our minds is a trauma. Something like just knowing how they died and how our minds run away with something like that causes PTSD. Dealing with traumatic grief and PTSD means there can be a lot of triggers. So how do you get past that? One is through a good counselor who deals with deep grief and loss. And I know for a lot of us, maybe we've tried counseling, or some of us, we know it's like counseling's not going to help because unless you can bring my child back, you can't fix me, right? I know what's wrong with me. But if you really are struggling with some of these major, major triggers, it might be helpful to, for you to find someone who specifically deals with that kind of a thing, deep grief, loss, traumatic losses, things like that. Some of us do need medication. And I do know of a friend who she like cried for two years straight, she just couldn't quit crying. And so she did go see someone and get on some medication. And It helped some things reconnect in her brain that had gotten out of whack. Now, I I also know that we can go on medication in a way that makes us feel numb and not feel the pain of the grief, but that's not always a good thing. Sometimes we do need that to get through just maybe a few weeks, but as a whole, what that does when, when we get on medication that keeps us from feeling anything, just numbness, it prolongs the worst of what we have to work our way through because the only way is to go through the darkness to come out on the other side as awful as that is. And so some medications, if it's to numb your pain, when you finally do go off from that, and it could be years later, you'll find that you have not done the work of the grief to get through that worst part And so those are just some things to consider about medication. Now, I recommend personally having some go-tos you can use when those triggers happen, that especially those unexpected triggers and you find yourself caught in that place. And some of these things are maybe songs you can play. Maybe you have a, a playlist somewhere on YouTube or Spotify or something that you can play that will help take your mind off of the worst of it or whatever triggered you maybe bible verses that you can quote to yourself or maybe you've you've printed out a list of verses that will help get your mind set back right again in in a good place or at least a better place maybe pictures of beautiful scenery you can look at that will just the beauty of what you're looking at will just take your mind off of that trigger or videos that make you smile or laugh like silly cat videos or otters playing or fainting goats. That's a good one for me. Just things that will help your mind think of other things to help your mind make a shift in what you are thinking about. Our minds are an amazing creation God has gifted to us. And too often, we don't realize how much control we really do have in that area of our lives. The input regulates the output and God made our brains that way in our minds. I want to read just a little something from my book When Tragedy Strikes. What you focus on is what you will grow. So if you continue to focus on the pain and loss, it will grow until it is ready to consume you and overtake you. But if instead you think about, focus on, and even give thanks for what or who you still have, That is what will begin to grow, and eventually it will bring you out of that deep, dark place. And you may not think so right now, but you can actually get to the place where you celebrate your child's life instead of being stuck in the pain of their death. That's the end of the quote from that book. Now, I wrote this several years before I knew there was an actual science behind this. Now, we know the Bible talks about it, right? But there's actually uh, science behind that. It always amazes me when God says something in his word and then science catches up with it, and then we know the why. But it's called a RAS filter, R-A-S, which stands for Reticular Activating System, which I talked about recently in a weekly Word of Hope email the bottom line is that our minds will find reasons to see what we're thinking about, what your conscience about, your subconscious will try to validate that or make sure you pay attention to things around you that will support it. For instance, years ago, this was like back in 2007, I was getting rid of our great big conversion van. We didn't need it anymore, and Becca really had more use of it with her wheelchair and everything, and I just had one child at home. We used to have five, and so I was getting rid of the conversion van, and Dave decided that it would be fun to get me a Mini Cooper, (laughs) and I agreed, so... There weren't very many Mini Coopers around at that time, but once I decided to get a Mini Cooper, all of a sudden it just seemed like they were everywhere. Now they weren't everywhere, but it's like I have never, why is everybody getting Mini Coopers now? Well, it's because I was noticing them because my brain, my conscience brain knew I was interested in Mini Coopers and so my subconscious brain would bring that into awareness when my subconscious would see one if that makes sense, I hope that makes sense to you. So because our minds have to filter out just thousands of pieces of data every second, and our subconscious mind decides what it is that we need to focus on or need to put our attention on or want to put our attention on. So that's what I'm talking about with the RAS filter. The things that we're consciously thinking about, our subconscious is going to try to validate that or make sure you pay attention to things around you that will support the thinking that you're doing. So once again, if we focus on the pain and loss, and that's what we're doing a lot of our time thinking about, it will continue to grow and overtake us because your RAS filter will look for things that will keep you sucked under. Or if you begin to decide, I'm going to change that, it'll start to look for things like the beauty around you. Maybe you'll begin to start noticing there's a flower here or the beautiful clouds or or a tree that you just didn't notice before that's just so pretty. Or maybe something that makes you smile or feel a bit of warmth in your heart. Maybe you wouldn't have paid attention to something happening in a store Uh, you know, that you see down the aisle. And now that your mind is starting to decide, you know what, I don't want to be stuck in this darkness. I don't want to keep having these triggers that suck me under. Then you're going to start noticing things that bring you up instead of pull you down. Now, please know, please know that I am not talking about those first two, even three years, especially that first year or two when we can't help but have our deep and traumatic grief take over almost everything. That's where we are. We just are. I'm talking about when we find ourselves starting to choose where our thoughts and feelings are going to go. Do I want to be a victim and remain being the parent of a child who's died? Or do I want to step beyond that identity and be a parent who is so thankful for my child, even for that short amount of time I had, and honor my child's life with my own life. Now, when I decided to talk on this topic of Expect the Unexpected, that little bunny trail I just did on what to do about triggers and when you feel like you're getting sucked under, that was unplanned, but it just seemed like someone needed to hear that. I just didn't want to talk about unexpected triggers and PTSD and not share anything about maybe some ways to help get past that. Now, the first year of special dates is always difficult for anyone who's lost a loved one. But for a parent who has a child missing, it can be almost unbearable. For me, it was those first two years. And I think because that first year I went through it all, the second year I thought was going to be better because it's i have been through it once, and it actually hit me harder. And I think that was because, for one reason, that fog had started to lift and the reality was setting in. But that first year, I I do remember, like for us, the first holiday that came, Becca died in October. And so, well, I guess it was Halloween, but the first one that really hit me hard was Thanksgiving because it brought with it the memory of how the year before, Becca had insisted on hosting the family. Even though she was wheelchair-bound, we had to have it in her basement because that was the only place where there was enough room for us to all be together. And so she had to be carried up and down the stairs in her wheelchair, you know, carried behind her. And But she did it. And she was so proud of that. And, boy, that first Thanksgiving, those memories were awfully, boy, I don't even know if I have a word for it. They were deep. They were profound. They were painful. They were precious. I guess I don't have to describe it to you, right? And then the next holiday, obviously, was Christmas and that was Becca's favorite holiday, and then the pain of the first time she wasn't there to celebrate her birthday, and of course Mother's Day, and so on. She loved fireworks on Fourth of July, and then eventually it came around to the one-year anniversary of her death. Now, everyone grieves differently, and I did want to be sensitive to that, some of the family that first year of you know her death anniversary some of the family wanted to get together and celebrate her life and others didn't want anything to do with that at all and i was torn to be honest i don't even remember what ended up happening that first year for her birthday or for the anniversary of her death date i think i may have made her favorite cake that first year a chocolate filled angel food cake but i don't really remember it's all so blurry and fuzzy The part I do remember, though, is a precious memory that I now share with Becca's daughter. Her daughter had literally just turned nine uh, just a couple weeks before Becca died. And so that first year on her mom's birthday, she asked me what we were doing for her mom's birthday. And knowing how some of the family didn't want to do anything, I suggested that I come to her school for lunch on that day and bring birthday cupcakes for the two of us. And she was thrilled. And we did that for the next few years until she hit middle school and she didn't want to keep that up. I was disappointed, but I understood that. So another thing that you might not be expecting, let me just kind of tie this into our topic here, is for people around you to forget dates that you will never forget. So please don't expect your friends and family to remember your child's birth date or especially their death date like you do because you're setting yourself up for frustration and even anger by expecting others to be affected as deeply as you were by your child's death, including remembering the exact dates. That's not a fair expectation to put on the people around you. They may remember, I remember it was this time of year, it was around this holiday, the exact dates, a lot of people are not going to remember that. And so that's one of those, I guess, expect the unexpected because you kind of think people are going to remember that the way you do, but they just don't. They may remember it and life just gets busy and they meant to call or send a card and they didn't and everything goes past. So just be aware of that and and give people around you grace, even people that you thought should should remember that date and should, you know, say something. And there's nothing wrong with reminding people because when it's our child's birthday who's here... We post it, right? Or we, you know, we get ready for a birthday party or whatever we're doing. They're, to me, it's okay to say, hey, my child's birthday is coming up. Or, hey, my child's death anniversary date is coming up. And I'm, I'll probably be a little off kilter because those are days where we get fuzzy, the triggers hit hard. And so it's okay to give people a heads up and let them know that that date is coming up. Now one thing I have learned is that there are seasons in all of this. So what worked for us to get through one year may not work for the next year. We could start a tradition for something like their birthday, which goes for several years, and then suddenly for no reason, it just all seems to fall apart. Expect the unexpected. Take it year by year, and don't be surprised if things change over the years on how you deal with certain dates or events, because you're going to change how you feel about certain things. And those around you will change how they feel. There may come a time where something you used to do that was so important is just no longer a big deal. There may come a time when something is still extremely important to you, but it just doesn't seem important to anyone else. And you're going to have to learn to be okay with that. So do what you need to do to get through each day, each event, Expect the unexpected, realizing that it may change year to year over time as you continue to expect the unexpected on this lifelong journey that you and I are on together. I mentioned how I talked about the RAS filter in a recent email. For those of you who may not know, I have been sending out a weekly word of hope each Wednesday for seven years now. Now, this email starts with something specific to encourage you, and then I share a resource we have that you might not be aware of or that we're highlighting for the month, and then I let you know what the podcast topic is for a week, and then last of all, I just kind of wrap the email up with a final thought. It is extremely rare for me to send anything else beyond that weekly email, so I don't spam you, we don't give out your email information to anyone. Just like GPS Hope is a safe place for you, so is your email. And when you no longer want to receive the emails, you feel like I'm doing okay and I really don't need this weekly word of encouragement, all you have to do is click the provided link that's at the bottom of every single email that goes out. To start receiving the weekly word of hope, just go to gpshope.org hope. Fill out the information It's just name and email, submit it, and I will also put a link in the show notes, but it's pretty easy, gpshope.org slash hope. I also want to remind you that I am starting to get businesses contacting me asking if they can be a supporter of this podcast, which means commercials, and I don't want to do that to you. If you appreciate the Grieving Parent Sharing Hole podcast, would you consider either sponsoring an episode in honor of your child or becoming a monthly partner of any amount, even if you feel like it's small and insignificant, because all of these small amounts will come together to make a larger amount. We can do this together. Now, sponsoring an episode means you get to pick the week. If it hasn't already been taken, then you have to pick a different week, but you get to pick the week. And you get to write out what you want everyone to know about your child that I will read to thousands of listeners, including those who listen for years to come as they discover this podcast and they go back to listen to previous episodes. Now to sponsor an episode in honor of your child, it's only $50. Just go to gpshope.org and hover over the Donate tab. You'll get a drop-down menu and one of them says Sponsor a Podcast Episode. Just click on it. And uh, follow you know, the prompts. It's like putting it in your cart, a shopping cart. And I will also put a link to that in the show notes. If you would like to be one of those who blesses us monthly and set up an automatic payment, just go to gpshope.org slash donate so that we can keep going with monthly gifts. And I don't even have to remotely consider <laughs> taking up anybody's offer on starting to have commercials, So, which like I said, I do not want to do. Let's go ahead and go to the birthday segment. Eric Dakota was born on February 11th and is forever 28. Jeffrey Allison was born on February 14th and is forever 30. Haley Eastridge, was born on February 14th and is forever nine. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced to all the other listeners the week of his or her birthday, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that form, including the pronunciation of your child's name if sometimes it gets mispronounced because I do want to say it correctly for you and just submit that information, and I will announce your child the week of his or her birthday. Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen that week. I hope you have not felt overwhelmed by hearing what I was sharing today. I want to make sure you understand that I am not saying that your child will not be as important to you over time. That will never, ever happen. In fact, Most of us will say that the love for our child continues to grow and increase over time, even though they're not here. And this may sound really strange, but it's almost like the increased love, the way our love just continues to grow for our child, it starts to push out the constant pain because there just isn't enough room for our hearts to hold both anymore. And the growing love for our child wins out. I am saying how you feel about it and the thoughts you think will eventually change, which may cause you to need to change some of your actions. It isn't good. It isn't bad. It just is. Ask God to help you tuck this information away somewhere so that when these things happen, you are reminded that this is just another normal part of our journey and to give yourself and those around you grace to expect the unexpected. And as you continue this journey, and we continue this journey together, remember to hold on pain eases, there is hope.